you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to pause from our sermon series entitled Reaching, which we'll finish next week, to looking at mom today. I'll make a difference, mom. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read together the first seven verses. These are the words of God. As spoken and written by the greatest Christian man, in my estimation, who ever lived, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to young Timothy, his protege, the man being groomed to follow him one day. He's the pastor at the church at Ephesus, and he's writing to you and I this morning. Follow carefully what Paul says to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. I write to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord be unto you. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembered of you, Timothy, and my prayers night and day. I've greatly desired to see you, oftentimes being reminded of you with tears, and then I am filled with joy. I call to remembrance your sincere faith, your living faith, your real faith that you have. You got that from your grandmother, Lois. And she from, and then she gave it to your mother, Eunice, who then, I am persuaded, gave it to you also. Verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. A Christian comedian said, My mother taught me so much about life. She taught me about religion. You better pray that that stain comes out of the carpet. She taught him about power. You will do it because I, that's power. She taught him about flexibility. Just look at that dirt behind your ears. She taught him about endurance. You're going to sit there all day to eat that spinach. She taught him about fear. Just wait till your father gets home. A Hollywood actress talking about her mother said, My mother taught me to be a lady, not a woman, a lady. And she gave me these rules to go by to help me. Rule number one, mind your manners. Number two, brush your hair, shave your legs, and clean your fingernails. Number three, never date a man you wouldn't marry. Number four, stand straight, 
dress stylishly and modestly. Number five, watch your figure. Number six, speak up, don't mumble. Number seven, smile a lot. Number eight, keep your mouth shut and your legs crossed. Number nine, be on time. And number ten, don't you do anything. Don't you do anything that if I found out about it, I'd be ashamed. That's pretty good. The actress was asked how many of those rules she kept. She said, I kept them all but one. But I try with that one, I just can't get it. I find it hard to be on time. <laughs> I'm always running late. Now, we had a man at the last service. He's not alive today. He hollered out, Amen. <laughs> I'll be burying him Wednesday. His wife put him out of action. Well, whether you be a son or a daughter, whether you be a comedian or an actress, I think everybody here today would say, Moms play a significant part in the lives of their children, in some cases their grandchildren. Moms play a significant part in who their children will become when they reach adulthood. I heard a dad talking, and he said, I taught my son all about baseball. We spent many hours in the backyard throwing baseballs. I taught him how to throw a baseball. I taught him how to catch a baseball. I taught him how to hit a baseball. Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. We practiced baseball in the backyard. And when he got to high school, he became a star. When he got to college, he became a star. He became so good that he went to the major leagues. And the first time he ever appeared on television. You know what he said? Hi, Mom. <laughs> oh, moms, what a significant part they play in the lives of their children. Three things I want to lay on your heart in a very brief message this morning. About moms. Using Timothy's mom, and I guess in many ways his grandmother, as our example. First of all, moms deeply influence the lives of their children in this life. Moms greatly influence the lives of their children in this life down here. Notice in verse 5 what Paul says about Timothy's mother and grandmother. Now remember, this is not Paul's opinion. Paul's not just saying something to say it. He is given these words by the Holy Spirit of God. So this is coming from God through the mind and through the hand of Paul as he pins these words on paper for you and I to see. Verse 5. Paul says, When I call to remembrance of you, Timothy... I remember the unfeigned faith. That word unfeigned means real, without pretense. It's not counterfeit, it's genuine. It is the real McCoy. Paul says, I, I just call to remembrance continually, Timothy, the real faith that you possess. 
A faith that your grandmother Lois had. A faith that your mother Eunice had. And Paul says, I, it was from them that you got that faith that you now possess. Mothers have a great influence. Mothers have a great impact on the life that their children will live down here. Rebecca was Jacob's mother. And she taught him how to receive the blessing from Isaac that would later prove to be the correct decision as God's blessing would pass through the patriarchs and preparation for a new nation and a new people to come, Israel and the Hebrews. Joshebed was Moses' mother. And we all know her story of bravery and faith. How when Pharaoh said, I'm going to kill all the baby boys born to the Hebrews, she took her son and placed him in a little basket and floated him down the Nile River that was infested with crocodiles, believing that her God was a big God and he could take care of her little boy. And God did. And the rest is history. So I think about Rebecca and how she influenced Jacob. I think about Joshebed and how she saved the life of Moses who would become the great lawgiver. And then I think about the mother of James and John and how she went to Jesus and she said, Jesus, when you become the king and set up your kingdom in this world, would you take my two boys, James and John, and would you put one on the left side and one on the right side and let them be a part of your rule? Now, whether you agree with what she asked or not, it's not the point. She, she wanted her sons to be something. And in our text, Eunice, Timothy's mother, has taught her son, saving faith, how to have a relationship with the true and living God. And then she taught him living faith, how to walk the walk, not just talk the talk for Jesus. As you're on your way to glory. She, in many ways, influenced her son so much that Paul saw in him, in his faith, a young man who had the potential to succeed the Apostle Paul one day. May I say, behind every successful child, you will generally find a mother who's inspired encouraged, motivated, and prayed for that child's success. Let me say that again. Behind every successful child, a majority of the time, a high majority of the time, you will find there is a mother in the shadows, in the background, who inspired, who encouraged, who motivated, who prayed for her son or daughter to be successful. Now, why is this so? Why do moms seem to want their children not just to survive, but to thrive? Not just to draw breath and draw a check, but to actually make a difference in this world in which they bring them into. I believe this, and I can't prove it, but I believe it with all my heart, that when a woman becomes a mother, God not only gives her a child, 
but he gives her a drive that is placed within her. A drive to preserve, a drive to, to protect and to promote and to prosper her children. A drive, a compulsion, a motivation that that son or daughter, that little baby I'm holding in my hands, I'm going to help him or her become something. I'm going to preserve, I'm going to protect, I'm going to promote, I'm going to prosper, I'm going to do whatever it takes to pour myself into my child that my child can be more than I was. Ralph Waldo Emerson I believe said it well, and he said it best. Most people are what their mothers made them to be. Whatever you become, if somebody ever puts the microscope on your life, they're going to see your mother's fingerprints all over you. Because moms have a tremendous influence and impact on their children. She was one of 25 children. Her life was difficult, to say the least. She had very little education because education wasn't offered to women in that day, to girls in that day. She was considered just a minimal person. Because women in that day not only did not receive education, they were not considered really equivalent to men. Their position was minimized. She only owned one home and she lost it in a fire and everything in it. Her health was bad all of her life. Toward the end, she could never get out of bed. When she was able to marry, she married a poor pastor. She would live with him for a number of years in a parsonage. Their marriage was a challenge, to say the least. But she stuck it out because she believed that when you say, I do, you should keep your word. She brought children into the world, a considerable number. And some of those children died at an early age as a mother she buried some of her children. And yet this woman, this wife, this mother shook the world for Jesus. This uneducated, poor, minimal woman who did nothing but stay home and bring children into the world and raise children. She shook the world for Jesus. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Because she taught her children about faith. She taught them to love the Lord. She taught them to be something for God. And two of her sons listened to what she had to say. All of her children listened. These two boys took it a little bit further than the rest. And they would leave England and come to the United States and become two of the greatest evangelists our country and our world has ever seen. Who were her sons? John and Charles Wesley. And she was Susanna Wesley. Moms 
who pour into their children will make a difference what their children become. Moms, never forget, you are the greatest influence and impact on what your children will be than anybody else. In many ways, whatever they are is because of you. But secondly, moms, not only is your influence and impact on this life, but it's also on the life to come. It's not just for earth, but it's for eternity. Because notice it says in verse 5 that Lois and Eunice imparted to their son Timothy. They gave to their son Timothy faith. Now, I wonder why moms have such influence and impact in these things. Well, it might be because they spend more time than anyone else with the children. They care for them hands-on more than anybody else. There's a closeness that comes from bringing a child into the world that men cannot have with a child. And maybe all of this, plus other things, cause a mother to have a direct impact today, tomorrow, and forever on the faith of their child. Timothy's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ did not just fall out of the sky and hit him in the head. Timothy's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ didn't just, wasn't like a tree limb in his way and he fell over it. Where did he get that faith from? He got it from a grandmother and a mother who taught him the scriptures, who taught him about Jesus, who told him how to be saved, who told him how to live for the Lord. And not only did they talk about it, they walked it. They lived it, but they lived it. They worded it, but they worked it. And through his observation of them, with his eyes and his ears, he developed the faith that they had. Moms, not only are you leading your children to what they will be in this life, you are leading them to what they will be in the life to come. I heard the story of a mother duck, and she had a whole bunch of little ducklings that were following her. They hadn't been in the world very long. And they were all lined up in single file right behind the mother. And she was taking them down a subdivision street. When they came to a grate, where the runoff water entered the grate, then it went through and was recycled somewhere else. Now, she had been across the grate many times. Her big wetted feet could easily go over that grate. No problem. But behind her are these little ducklings. They're small. They don't have any street savvy. They haven't learned about the neighborhood and the environment which they've been brought into. All they can do is follow mom. And so she crosses the grate. And then her little ducklings cross the grate too. But their little webbed feet 
are very small. And they fall through the cracks. And pretty soon the mother who had all these little ducklings behind her has no ducklings behind her. They all fell through the grate. And maybe they all perished. Moms, in many ways you're like the mother duck. You've got your sons and daughters behind you, and you're leading them. You're leading them through a world where they're not experienced yet in it. They don't understand all the things that you know because they haven't been here long enough to learn it. Where are you leading them, Mom? Are you leading them to danger or to safety? Are you leading them upward or are you leading them downward? Are you leading them through or are you leading them not through? Are you leading them to darkness or are you leading them to light? Are you leading them to heaven or are you leading them to hell? Moms, you're leading them somewhere. Just like that mother duck, you're leading your children somewhere. Are we leading them to Jesus? Are we leading them to life? Are we leading them to heaven? Because if you're not, nothing else matters. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lost his eternal soul? Now I want some of you to listen to me carefully. I am not against education. I believe education is the key in many ways to going to the next level of life. And you need to get as much education as you can get, whether it be a college degree, a master's degree, or a doctorate degree. Education is good. But parents, if all we're pushing to our children is education, they're missing something. Social graces are good. It's important to know the right people. It's important to speak to people the right way. It's important to shake hands with people looking at them in the eye. It's important to go certain places and do certain things. Social interaction with people who can take you somewhere is not a bad thing necessarily. But all it, if all we're doing is pushing social graces on our children, trying to get them to run in certain circles so they can be certain people. If that's all we're doing, we're not doing enough. If we're pushing our children to sports, are you listening? If all we've got on our mind is they're going to be the best little boy or little girl they can be on the softball field, on the, on the baseball field, on the football field, on the basketball court, on the soccer field, we're going to spend our entire life sending them out into the sports world. They're going to play on every team they can play on every single day of every single week of every single month of every single year. 
They're going to be on travel this, travel that, go here, go there. If all we're doing is sending them towards sports, we're going to regret it one day. There's nothing wrong with education if kept in its place. There's nothing wrong with social interaction and graces if kept in its place. There's nothing wrong with athletics and sports if kept in its place. But if that's all you push your child towards and you lead God out of their life because God can't fit into those educational plans, those social interactions, God can't spit, fit into a 24-7 sports program. If that's all you're giving your children, what you will have is a well-educated, highly interactive, highly athletic child who's empty of God and going to hell. And I've seen parents, so-called Christian parents, sacrifice their children on the altar of such things. Because it's all about them. It's not really about their child at all. What your children learn about Jesus, they learn from you. And if Jesus ain't no big deal to you, I can promise you, he won't be no big deal to them. Eunice taught her son to love the Lord, and he did. She led him to Christ, I believe, or was a major part of leading him to Christ. She taught him how to live out his faith. And she not only did it with her words, she did it with the way she lived. Parents, moms particularly, you influence your children what they will be in this life. You also influence your children what they will be in the life to come. I heard the story about a mother who saw a group of men paving a sidewalk outside the church. And she took her little baby out there and she spoke to the foreman of the job and she said, Sir, I'd like to ask a favor of you. I, would you allow me, before that concrete sits, to place my child's feet in that concrete? Foreman said, ma'am, I don't know that I can give you that permission. She said, please, please, it's important to me that I put his feet in the concrete facing the church. The foreman said, well, I'll tell you what. If I turn my back and I don't see it, I guess I could justify it to somebody else later. So he turned his back. She put the little baby's feet in the concrete facing the church. Picked him up, footprints there, and then she walked away. The foreman said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? Why did you do that? She said, because one day I want to be able to say to him, I pointed you the right way. Whatever you do with it, it's up to you, but I pointed you the right way. And parents, that's our job. Moms, that's our job. To point our children to a living Christ, that that living Christ will become their living Christ. And then lastly, moms, you influence a child's life down here. You will influence a child's life up there. And thirdly, moms connect with children. 
far better than dads. Why does a mom have this kind of influence? Where does she get this kind of impact that she actually shapes a child's life here and shapes a child's life up there? Where does she get that from? Did did you notice in verse 5, when you read verse 5, was there anything that you noticed strange about that? Now let's look at it. I'm not trying to trick you. Just look at it. Paul says, when I call to remembrance your faith, Timothy, a sincere, genuine, saving, living faith, I think about your grandmother, Lois. I think about your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded that that's where you got it from. Now, do you see anything strange about that? Let me ask you a question. Did Timothy have a father? Did Timothy have a grandfather? Because neither male patriarchal figure is mentioned there. And I got to thinking, why not? Dads are important. We're going to be talking about dads in a month or so. I think dads are important. Granddaddies are important, but daddy's not mentioned. Granddaddy's not mentioned. Paul says, when I think of the faith you got, I think of grandma and mom. I wonder why Timothy's father, I wonder why Timothy's grandfather didn't have a a great role to play in his faith. Well, I, I want to go further say I believe they were both Christian men. I believe they both loved the Lord. But why weren't they influencers and impactors in Timothy's life? And then I got to thinking, well, maybe it's because they worked long hours. You know, sometimes men get jobs that require 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day of work. I know Randy's father used to work long hours as a, as a lumberjack. He'd get up before the sun rose and he'd come home well after it set. 14-hour days. When he came in, he was absolutely tired. He was beat. All he would do is eat and pretty much go to bed. And it was that way for years. He provided for his family, but it cost him being able to be with them a lot. And maybe maybe Timothy's dad and granddaddy had those kind of jobs. Maybe they traveled. I know many men sometimes have to travel to provide for their families. And sometimes during that travel, you're gone a lot. And so maybe Timothy had a, a dad and a granddaddy who had to travel out of town. They weren't there a lot. Maybe they served in the church. And so when they came in from working hard, as soon as they got home, the pastor called them and said, let's go visit him. Let's go do this. I got a problem here. I got something else to do. So maybe they were constantly being pulled out of the house to go take care of a church situation. Maybe they weren't good communicators. You know, sometimes men don't talk very well. And maybe they just couldn't communicate very well with Timothy. Maybe they weren't the warm, fuzzy dad and granddaddy 
we imagine them to be sometimes. I don't know why Timothy's dad and granddaddy weren't influencers of his faith, but they weren't. The mom made the connection. And I believe that's a God thing too. I believe there's something about a mother and a grandmother who can make a connection to a child that far exceeds anybody else. And I can say that because I, I live in my house and I see what goes on there. I love my granddaughter. I love my grandchildren. You know that. I talk about them all the time. But when they come over to the house, particularly Alyssa now, the other was a little, little, little guys, right yet. You know who sings with her? My wife. They sing Christian songs, they sing secular songs. They sing Chris Tomlin songs, they sing Beach Boy songs. But they sing. It's a happy time, they sing. And then they dance. They dance. I can't tell you what kind of dancing they're doing, but they dance. They sing, they dance. Granddaddy don't sing. Granddaddy don't dance, but they do. And then they read their Bible stories together. The Bible book, they go through it and they, they read the stories. I don't have time to always do that with her. She helps Alyssa with her verses for Awana. They, they sit down and memorize those verses. I believe scripture memory is important, but I don't have the time to do that. But she does. They talk about the Lord. She, my wife brings Jesus into a lot of the conversations. They pray together. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe in all of that. But quite honestly, sometimes I'm stretched so much here, there, I, I don't have the time to do it like I would. But thank God there's a wife, a mother, a grandmother who can make that connection. Even if I had the time, I don't know if I could do that. Men are wired different. I've told you before, if I served in the nursery, I could give you 10 minutes of the best nursery worker you've ever seen. <laughs> 10 minutes. And then I'd have the white flag up. And some of you dear ladies go back there and you can stay back there 90 minutes and, don't, and you don't sweat a bit. You could go another 90 if you needed to. There's something about what God has made a mother to be and to do that allows her to connect with the children and the grandchildren in a way that nobody else can do it. And that connection influences them for this life and for the life to come. In closing, Abraham Lincoln, no doubt one of the greatest presidents our country has ever had, oftentimes talked about his mother and how, though she died young, she meant so much to him and she spoke things to him that he never forgot. Abraham Lincoln said many times, this was among her last words to him and he never forgot it. Listen to the last words 
are among the last words that Abraham Lincoln's mother said to him that he never forgot. I'm going away, Abraham. And where I'm going, I shall not return. But I know you will be a good boy. Live now like you have been taught. Love the Heavenly Father and keep His commandments. And Abraham Lincoln never forgot those words. Love the Heavenly Father and keep His commandments. Mothers, thank God for you. Because your children are a reflection of you in this life. They'll be a reflection of you in the life to come. And if you don't do it, nobody else can. That's kind of scary, isn't it? If you don't do it, nobody else can. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.